Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world coming to you directly from the Sirius XM studios in New York City. I am Jake Mintz. That is Jordan Schusterman, and you are munching on a Big Apple. I am not, thankfully, for the listener's sake. I am not just crunching into this microphone, but I am sitting across from you. Now, Jake, we have, of course, recorded podcasts in person together, but normally... It does not include nearly as much expensive equipment as we are currently uh, lucky enough to be using here in the Sirius XM studios in Midtown Manhattan. This feels way too, like, to be doing this podcast on the 36th floor of any building is yeah. kind of weird. This is not a Midtown. <laughs> no, no, nothing about this, nothing about this podcast uh, screams Midtown Manhattan. But you know what? We're here, and we're doing it. We're going to talk about baseball. It's Friday. I'm in New York City because there are Dominican Winter League exhibition games happening. That's the only thing that could get me to come back to the city. I have not been back to New York uh, in basically two years, uh, even though I used to live here, and I don't live that far away now. But it's nice to be back, I will say. It is nice. It's good to have you here. There are 8 million people in this city, and all of them can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. I smell an email mailbag episode on the horizon oh yes yes i know we've been teasing that for a while but trust me it's coming but we still have news and we have been teasing a, a free agency preview and so a good chunk of this episode is indeed going to be that we are going to be looking at it from the team perspective we're gonna kind of organize all 30 teams uh, as to how relevant we expect them to be this offseason so that's not just free agency that's just kind of how much we'll be talking about them in the uh, the hot stove happenings and whatnot over the next few months uh, but before we get to that uh, breakdown of all 30 teams and how much we expect to talk about them on this podcast this offseason we have some other news uh, to talk about we're going to talk about Shohei Otani donating a bunch of baseball gloves Scott Boris spoke at the GM meetings uh, other things happened at the GM meetings that we will surely be laughing about Jason Benetti former guest on this podcast and one of our dearest friends has a new baseball team to call games for and we will be previewing the Lee Dome exhibition games taking place at City Field tonight and Saturday and Sunday afternoon I am so excited for those uh, but where would you like to begin I would like to begin with the 1.2 billion baseball gloves mm. that Shohei Otani is donating to wow. school children in Japan uh here's a good place to start um are there 1.2 billion baseball gloves on earth no. No chance. Not even a shot. Like, not even remotely close. So, we have discussed the idea of Statistus. The, oh, yeah. The Greek it's god been a minute. Of, of unanswerable stats, <laughs> right? Yes. There are a number of baseball gloves on planet Earth. 
Yeah. Well, actually, can we go back to the ref- what you just referenced, statistics? Yeah. Don't, don't, let's not gloss over that, because I don't think this is something we've talked about on okay. the show statistics, in some time. Yeah. The Greek god of stats, <laughs> who can determine stats that are otherwise right. indeterminable. We, you know, living in, in the world in, in 2023, and we have the internet, we have all these amazing research tools and smart people that can answer all these questions for us. This is a... Con- this is questions that cannot be answered sure you can come up with estimates but how many baseball gloves are there on earth is a tough question to answer that only a a higher power can nate silver no shot not even close uh so the reason we are talking about this is because uh, the mlb twitter account tweeted out a i guess a quote or or a statement from shohei otani which i assume is, is translated from from japanese here uh but this is this is very nice so this is from the mlb Twitter account. Shohei Otani is giving baseball gloves to every elementary school in Japan. Colon. First of all, doubt that. Uh, but let's just let Shohei speak for himself, okay? Here's the quote or the statement. I'm happy to announce that I will be donating approximately 60,000 youth gloves to every elementary school in Japan. That comes out to around 20,000 elementary schools. I'm hoping the kids can spend their days happily with a lot of energy through baseball. Now, before we start making jokes, hell yeah. Cool. Great. <laughs> like, not that we didn't think Shohei Otani was a great person who, you know, gives back to his community, whatever. But, like, amazing. We support all, um, you know, generous, donate. Like, this is a great way to to use your platform, use all the money you have, use all the connections you have with great. all the different baseball companies to give a bunch of free gloves. Great. Some amount of baseball gloves to kids. Amazing. But, okay, great. Now let's make some jokes. But what's funny about this is the implication that <laughs> – he is donating 60,000 gloves per school. Right. Because that's the co- approximately 60,000 youth gloves to every elementary school in Japan. That cannot be possible. Yes. But but again when he says that comes out to around 20,000 elementary schools. So Does that that's mean he's the giving part three gloves to each school? That's not enough. But that makes more sense than that makes more sense than 60,000 gloves for each school. It does but three is the is a horrible number to give. Yeah, four makes sense because then you can have two groups of people playing catch. Oh, three that's wins. true. You might as well give two. <laughs> might at as that well point. give two, and then give right, and then maybe give some to some some high schools also. Yeah, like I would rather give four gloves to like fifteen fifteen right. thousand elementary schools. So I would say that like there's a decent chance, like well, there's something's lost in translation here. Like I do think this is kind of on MLB picking yeah. up this statement or quote and just putting it out there and not thinking people would look at the very specific references to numbers and be like, what's going on here? <laughs> I know to your point, it doesn't really matter. My So, okay, then what is your guess for like what got lost in translation here? Or what is your guess for like what do we think is is the most realistic situation? I think he's given some gloves away to a bunch of schools. <laughs> right. I think that's all yeah, it needs to be. Right. But they were fun. trying to get specific so that it would seem – impressive yeah. and large but, and- but if you had not given me numbers and you just told me like Shohei Otani is donating to elementary schools across Japan I'd be like hell yeah man that's great he's donating over 50,000 <laughs> baseball gloves to children across Japan so but now just to be clear though 60,000 gloves yeah 60,000 gloves is uh, that's a lot of gloves no matter how many different schools they're being distributed to like that's a lot that's a lot of baseball gloves it's it is a lot and <laughs> the important thing is that it's too many for one school <laughs> But not enough if we're giving them to all 20,000. Anyway, um, here, allow this to be a kind of 
general point and uh, point of emphasis and kind of philosophy for how we're going to talk about Shohei Otani this offseason, which is that while every baseball site is going to say something about Otani every single day, ours, I, ours we, included, <laughs> ours included, yes, but like we, I am not going to live on every single mention of him on it's it's going to be not only is it pointless because we have uh, once again this is the other important thing about this statement first we've heard from him <laughs> in months this is like the first direct thing we've heard from otani everyone wants to hear about his free agency and he's like don't worry i'm donating 1.2 billion gloves which is great <laughs> again happy for him but the point is is that like of course there will be many uh, reports that they come out most of which are not going to mean anything we will do our best to cover them as they come. We will do a full Otani episode at some point. But this is much more entertaining if, as far as this stage of the offseason goes. If he signs before Monday, that's on us. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani was not the only person to speak this week. No. If this counts as speak, Yeah. Yeah, no, he wasn't. This, what we're about to talk about, surely counts as speaking. Because this man likes to speak as much as any person in our baseball space. I would say as far as characters in the baseball universe... The enjoyment that this individual takes in saying words to other people is yeah. 99th percentile, if not the top. That Scott Boris, super agent, does not have his own podcast mm -hmm. is really a fault of the industry. <laughs> We're here in the SiriusXM studio. Why are we sitting here? Yeah, yeah. That's maybe more of a, a you know, if he was New York based, I'm sure he would have had something yeah. more substantial. But now he goes on podcast, likes to talk. But the point is, Scott Boris. Likes to talk. Now, if you're an agent, and if you're Scott Boris, and you've negotiated uh, over $1.2 billion worth of baseball gloves of contracts <laughs> over the last three, four years, yeah, you're going to be feeling pretty good. But every year at the GM meetings, which took place this week in Scottsdale, Arizona, he does bad stand-up, where he makes a bunch of jokes about the various players he represents in that given winter. And we were given this year's cornucopia of dad jokes. Jordan... What stands out to you? Yeah, so again, you know, for those unfamiliar, it's, right, Dan jokes, puns, it's basically he delivers these lines about his clients as a way to t tell us how great they are uh, or, or what they mean to a certain team or a certain market or what they did mean. And so one of my favorites by far was what he said about Cody Bellinger. This is how he described his, his uh, client, Cody Bellinger. Now, I will say, you know, last offseason when Cody Bellinger was a free agent, it was a little bit more tame. He didn't, Cody Bellinger hadn't been good for a few years. So Boris, and I think he had some, some lines, but it wasn't like, he wasn't, he wasn't going to bring out the, he, he was saving the good stuff mm. for this winter, clearly, right? And here's what we get. Quote, when he came to Chicago, he just feasted on major league pitching. I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. Mm. So they're going to have to loosen their belts to keep Bellinger. Feasting. Belly. Loosen their belts. A, a a holy trinity of Scott Boris disaster dad joke. Uh, so good. Just amazing stuff. Da again, does that does that mean that I feel any better about the Cubs keeping him? It seems like he's kind of putting the pressure on them more than anybody else. On Pete Alonzo, we let him know that when it comes to the polar bear, we're not in contract hibernation. Mm, yeah, so not a free agent, no. to be clear, but that's talking about you know extensions uh, with the Mets. Some of these sound like Trump quotes oh yeah yeah there's when there's you think some... of bronze you yeah. think of third place <laughs> when it comes to matt chapman at third you're always gold he's here's this one this one was uh this was a predictable one reese hoskins 
friend of the show. The power of Reese, his leadership, all those things are really demonstrated in a major market and on championship levels, hitting championship pitching. I think Reese's pieces fit all team puzzles. Boo. So the boo. <laughs> we've discussed this before, and so have other baseball pods. Mm-hmm. Scott Boris's willingness to go up there multiple times a year and tell bad jokes is such a flex. Yeah. Absolutely. He is saying, I am the best agent. You can't do anything about this. In the world, and I'm such a nerd <laughs> and such a dweeb, and I'm going to make all of these blatantly unfunny jokes yeah. in front of the media, and I'm still going to earn my clients more money than yeah. anybody else. He said, come and stop me, you know? You can't. Uh, again, last year, I don't think, I mean, I just so I can't get over last year, Brandon Nimmo, whoever picks our guy will be the lucky one to finding Nimmo. Brutal. But I love <laughs> I love these. I, I, hope he, I hope he has some more ones prepared when we see him at the winter meetings. Because I know he's got like kind of yeah. a second wave of these mm. terrible jokes that we'll, we'll surely see. But uh, the most important thing to know is that Scott Boris, once again, represents a large portion of the top of the market. Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Matt Chapman, um, Jung-Hoo Lee, uh, you know, the top uh, position player coming over from the KBO. Yamamoto. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Yama- not, not Yamamoto. Not Yamamoto. Not Yamamoto, not Otani. But um, Boris will remain in the news. And you got to respect it because what, what are you going to say? Uh, you're not the best of your job? I, sorry, I can't really say that. So uh, Anyway, there are, that was the second most interesting thing that happened <laughs> at the GM meetings because as I just referenced with the Otani rumors at this kind of time of the offseason, most of what you're hearing GMs say is essentially meaningless. You have to really look super specifically. Unless they are saying like, we need right-handed outfielders who make contact, which is something that Jerry DePoto said, like most GMs are telling you very, very little about what they actually intend to do at this stage in the offseason. Or they're going full Brian Cashman and <laughs> spitting fire. Right. If they're not you know, defending their integrity and their use of analytics like Brian Cashman, most of the quotes that come out of the GM meetings are very little. And so that is part of why we don't go yes. to this. We have never been to this. It is kind of just an opportunity for the whole industry to hang out, mm-hmm. which yeah. understandable. And, yeah, and and G, I do believe like I do believe it is useful for the GMs to meet with each other. But as far as what is coming out through the media, yeah. it's really very little. But what came out through the media <laughs> was <laughs> this is something where I'm glad we got to experience from a distance. <laughs> uh, there was a stomach bug <laughs> making the rounds at the GM meetings. Yeah. Which it was so devastating that it they ended it early. Yeah, so it seems like the GM portion of it was seems like that was maybe going to be over. There's like agent meetings. It's basically a whole week in Arizona. Some portion of this week was canceled because everyone was pooping. That's essentially what we learned. Uh, that is very unfortunate for everybody involved. For everybody who was involved in the pooping, but we- I I would say that like this is first of all. I hope this is a lesson learned. I hope this is not something we have to deal with at the winter meetings. I yes. hope that we got this. Because this is a fraction of the number of people I'm at the winter meetings. I'm fasting at the winter meetings. <laughs> Just for, for safety. For, you know, that's the thing. Of course, for a while, we were concerned about big gatherings from a from a you know novel coronavirus perspective. Um, and you could say that's still a, a legitimate concern. However, this is a much more visceral the poops. issue that... Uh, Am I am I glad we we learned this? Steph Epstein, I believe, is the one that that delivered the the bad news about all of this, which I appreciate. But again, if someone who's not there, 
it's like we're all, everyone's just laughing at them. Like it's not yeah. really a situation. Like if you were there, now you're like, oh, that's why I felt like this. Oh, okay. I think there's a show must go on component mm-hmm. to not just baseball, but sports in general, yeah. which tend to be very machismo and toxic masculinity. Oh. And it's like, oh, I'm injured. I'm sick. Like I can just <sighs> truck through this. And I like that the yeah. poops that's derailed what, right. this. Yeah, that's, I gotta say, it's a different category than like, oh, like um, playing through, you know, a sprained ankle. You can't. Because there's a different, this isn't pain. You this can, is like, this is, all right, we don't have to talk about this anymore. Right, you can trade saying, your way. Like if, if Dave Dombrowski had like a broken foot, he'd be fine. <laughs> you can't. Toradol's not getting you through this. No, okay? certainly not. Like there's different levels of pain tolerance Poop tolerance. Okay, all right. Uh, no, no more of this. This is very funny. We're, Speaking uh, of people who are the shit. Oh, perfect. Not the shits. The shit. Biggest news we have. We spent earlier this week. We talked about a a shocking in division move, where Craig Council abandoned his home team and said, "I'm going to go uh, manage the Cubs for way more money." Fair, understandable, legitimate. Then that that's a big deal, of course. Obviously, that'll you know have an impact on you know the Cubs win loss record to some degree, probably. Course, you know, and we we understand that the fans who are now with Cubs fans and Brewers fans they will have feel so, some kind of way about right. it. However, we got more news later this week. Another in division move, which I think is a significantly bigger impact huh. on the fan experience for both teams, and that is Jason Benetti taking the Detroit Tigers broadcast job, becoming the voice of Detroit. Leaving the White Sox team he's been with for a long time, a team he grew up supporting, and now he is going to be the voice of the Tigers. Because the Tigers were like, hey, uh, our broadcast hasn't been very good for a while. And if we can ask permission and say, hey, uh, Jason Benetti, uh, you're not too far away. You you would come be, be immediately vault our broadcast from the bottom to the top. Hey, you interested? And it sounds like Jason was, and now he's going to be the voice of the Tigers. I legitimately think Jason is the best. Yes. He is the best broadcaster i don't know if the white Sox broadcast was the best broadcast there's a distinction there why is jason moving why is the best broadcaster in baseball moving from the team he's worked for and a a bigger city and a bigger market a team he grew up rooting for to a smaller team smaller city smaller market uh i think it has a lot to do with the white Sox organization being kind of a yeah, Mess. I mean, well, at the very least, I think it was also a combination of that. It was we haven't spoken to Jason, but like, it seems like a good example of if we want to compare it to the council thing too. Like, the Tigers really wanted Jason Benetti, you know? Yeah, and they made oh, made sure to make that happen. So I actually did talk to Jason Benetti yesterday. Oh, okay, I'm going to read our conversation. Oh, but perfect. Public, I said, "Love you. Talk soon, etc. Congrats. Holy shit, this rules. Great stuff." <laughs> Detroit, underrated town. You'll love it. Blah, blah, blah. He responded seven hours later. Ha, ha, ha. Thanks, dude. So, there you wow. go. Wow. That's, see, we want to take you behind the curtain. We want to make sure that people kind of know what these conversations are. That so, I haven't spoken to Jason. I have nothing to. Re- I have nothing like that to reveal, yeah. to bring here, to get some real insight into, like, the mind of Jason Benetti. But this is a big <laughs> deal for Tigers fans because. Massive deal. If you're a Cubs fan, right, and you have Craig Council now. That is influencing your fan experience because your team is presumably better. Yeah. If you now get to listen to Jason Benetti call games for you, that is a direct, emotional, better. positive boost. 
every single time it's you flip actually on the TV. part of the experience. Correct. You know? uh, we got an email from Alexander uh, who said, "Hi, Ugla enjoyers. We haven't done good bad Ugla in a while. Sorry, it's not yeah. happening. But but hey, consider this the the Ugla of this uh, Friday episode." Alexander says, "I don't really have a team. If the right team signs Otani, that could change." Ooh. What if, the wrong, what if the wrong team signs Otani? <laughs> if the wrong team signs Otani, we'll, we'll have to check back in. Typically, just throw on the best game at the time. Usually, that means I'll watch any matchup between prospective playoff teams. But my second choice is any game where I can listen to the Mets, Brewers, Padres, White Sox broadcasts. But Netty moving will probably change that. So I'm curious as to which broadcasts y'all think are the best for different things. Best at explaining the sport well. Most entertaining. Most reasonable criticism of both teams. Best at getting new viewers into the game. Whatever other superlatives y'all want to give. Thanks and happy off-seasoning. Oh, off seasoning. I like that. like that, uh, Alexander. So Alexander, yeah, great. You're going to watch a lot of Zach McKinstry, my man. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, so he references Mets, Brewers, Padres, White Sox. Absolutely, that's that's been consistently near the top uh, of my of my group. I mean, the Mets are, are seemingly pretty universally renowned as as one of the best ones, and I think that even sustained into this year as they became a very unwatchable team. And I know people were still like, I'll ah, still throw the Mets on. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, I don't know if I. I think we're prepared enough to sufficiently grade every single uh, broadcast here but I do think it is a combination of enthusiasm it is a combination of respect and appreciation for the other teams that they are watching I think that's something that always comes across well it's not necessarily about like people can that complain about home bias I don't care like for the home broadcast to root for their team like yeah I, I have no problem with that but what I do want to see in, in a broadcast or hear in a broadcast is an appreciation of the t- of the other team, not necessarily a respect, but like that is, I think, something that I actually find more interesting from a local standpoint. I know people lose their mind over how much national broadcasts respect each and every team. That I think is is way overrated and, and overblown because when you're watching a national broadcast, every team thinks that they're not getting the exact right attention and and you know descriptions of, of their favorite players. But I think the ability to when you have, if, say for example, I when you watch. Benetti, when you watch Jason do a game and the White Sox are playing the Rockies, like he's going to have stuff to tell you about the Rockies that he found interesting because he put in the work. There are some broadcasts, it's more of like, oh, like who's this coming? Like where did this guy come from? And like that doesn't come across as well. I don't appreciate that. And as a, as a viewer too, as someone who, as part of my job, like I want to help people learn about the game and help people find out about new players and new things. That attitude does not, <laughs> you know, resonate well with me, and the opposite I think comes true, and that's one of the things Jason is the best at. I think the homerism bothers me mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. than maybe it bothers you, and I, it, it's difficult because if if you are a broadcast, your audience is your fan base, and so you're going to do anything you can to keep that fan base tuning in, and often that means homerism, right? Mm-hmm. Like. With all due respect to John Crock on the Phillies broadcast, he's not my cup of tea on there. Sure. I would imagine that there are a lot of huge Phillies fans who love listening to John Crock right. be a Phillies fan on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a different strokes for different folks thing. However, for Alexander, mm-hmm. who does not have a team yeah. until Otani signs with the A's, <laughs> right. right? For him it's kind of a different a different process. Yeah. And and to your point, I think I think the concept of homerism on broadcasts, like what it, it, it depends what you mean by that, right? Because obviously there's just like blatant, the tone changes when the good thing happens to the team versus the bad thing happens to the team. But then like what's more exhausting is just like assuming every replay is going to go your way. Assuming every umpire is out to get your team. That's where I also am like, this is not fun to listen to. Any inside fastball has intent, <laughs> right? right? But, and then there's something that some guys do where it like, 
there'll be a, a a hit like a fly ball, and you can hear the other commentator go, "Get out, get up, <laughs> get up, come on, come on, please, come on please be home, right? Please be home." So there's 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 levels to that. I think I think that that's right because I I want the like again like I like when the broadcaster is clearly very close with the team. Oh, I was talking to this player before. Like I know this player. Obviously, we've talked about with Kevin Brown. You know, like there's versions of this that are great. Boog Shambi is great. Boog's a great example of that, right? Like that can connect us to the home team. That's a great feature for sure. Um, But I agree. Some versions of once you actually get into the action, calling the action, it can become a little annoying. Speaking of home teams, Jordan, there is baseball happening in my hometown (laughs) of New York City, November 10th. On November 10th this weekend. (laughs) Let's very briefly preview this, and then we'll take a break and mm-hmm. come back with a little winter preview. Mm-hmm. This is unprecedented. Yes. Now, I understand that many of the folks listening to this have no or little idea what the Dominican Winter League is and why the Dominican Winter League playing exhibition games in New York City is freaking nuts, mm-hmm. but we will do our best to explain it to you. Very briefly, the Dominican Winter League... Uh, what MLB happens in America and Toronto during the summer and spring and the warm months. However, in the Caribbean, in Latin America, there are leagues going on in the winter and the off season that are bigger deals in those countries than MLB is here. And the biggest of these leagues, the most competitive of these leagues, the most financially relevant, I would say, of these leagues is the Dominican Winter League, which is often abbreviated as Lidome. Yes. Liga Dominicana. Yes. The baseball. Yes. Now, Jordan. Hey. You've not been in New York in a while. I have not. There are a lot of Dominicans, mm-hmm. Dominican Americans, mm-hmm. living in New York. Did you know this? I, I, I did know that when I was here, but now I think we're really going to know that tonight at City Field. <laughs> the two biggest teams in the Dominican Winter League, mm-hmm. Tigres de Lice and Aguilas Cibaeñas, who are more or less the Red Sox and the Yankees of the league, are playing a three-game set mm-hmm. of exhibition games mm-hmm. at City Field this weekend. Yes, in Queens. Yes, it will be very cold. Yes, the coldest game that many of these dudes have played in a long <laughs> Certain, time. Well, certainly in, in, in the Lee Dome game. I mean, this will be the coldest Lee Dome game in quite some time. That's for sure. And it is the first opportunity for Dominican Americans who don't get to go home that often to see their teams in person mm-hmm. in the states. Yeah, it is going to be. A unique, fascinating baseball atmosphere, and you and I will be at all three games. Yes, we're very excited for it. But yeah, as you mentioned, you know, the Yankees Red Sox, but it's even more than that because again, it's only six teams and in the league, and these two teams account for what percentage of the fan base? Uh, of the fans. I don't know, over half. I mean way over, way half. over half, right? Uh and they also now while these are exhibition games, it won't count for the standings, you know, the, it's also a rivalry because they have technically the same number of championships 22 right um i guess lise got their 23rd last year but there's like what years do you count because when did the league start whatever there's all kinds of stuff this is the kind of stuff that fans of these two teams argue about basically the the whole year like nonstop, because like there's two championships that lise won before this version of lee dome that like do you count those or do you not? They do so that they can have more than Aguilas. There's versions of that, but I'm so excited to see. Like we, I mean, of course, like we've seen versions of of what it looks like to have a bunch of you know 
Latin American fans, Caribbean fans in the WBC, right? We saw it in, in Miami. But, like, this is a much more specific, much more targeted, much more passionate, much more, you know, personal in some sense. Of course, it's not necessarily – of course, it's all one country. But it is going to be a, a – a, 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 it'll be a scene. I'm, I'm yeah. so excited for I it. I mean, you walk around Washington Heights for, like, five minutes and you'll see Lise and Aguilar stuff. Yes, yes. So, you know, and as for the, the who's going to be there, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a interesting group Jordan, of just, players. Just say some names and then we'll take a break. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, Juan Lagares is the one I'm most excited for. Of course, someone who was a, a Mets a Mets legend in his own right will be playing center field for Aguilas. He's been kind of a staple of that team for a long time. Uh, some prospects like Alexander Canario uh, with the Cubs, he'll be a part of this too. Uh, Christopher Morel also, so Cubs fans will definitely see both of those guys. Jonathan Villar is another guy who's been with Aguilas for a long time, another Mets legend. And then as far as the pitching goes, we're going to have uh, some, you know, it's like, okay, who are we Who are we going to see? Who are like the legends of the Dominican World League? W- the best pitchers down there are the guys that can show up in the middle of October or the beginning of November and just throw just pitch give you six innings give you length it's not about throwing you know 95 miles an hour it's Nabil Krismat it's Cesar Valdez it's Ariel Miranda the lefties coming in for Aguilas Uneski Maya Uneski Maya like it's 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 a very oh, like I'm seeing Denelson Lamette is on the roster for Aguilas I don't know the last time he was healthy and pitched so it's a, it's a fun group uh but at the very least it, it's it's not even really necessarily about the specific guys for you know for at least say Emilio Bonifacio is essentially like the face of their franchise Derek and Jeter. has been for a long time so he of course will be a part of it but it's not even necessarily about the specific players it's just kind of about having those logos those jerseys playing in a major league stadium in front of what is going to be a packed house in the middle of November so very excited about that very excited going to be very bizarre let's take a quick break Jordan and when we come back we will run through all 30 teams and talk about their winters to be Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. We somehow forgot to mention that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have a new old <laughs> manager. That's that's the how you win nowadays. I think it's been pointed out that the last three World Series winning managers were the three oldest managers, Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, and Brian Snitker, and Artie Moreno and Perry Manassian. We're looking out at the managerial landscape and thought, who can we bring in that will bring us some credibility and actually make people say, hey, good job, angels. <laughs> and in that sense, they have hired Ron Washington. Ron Washington, who you, I know, have gotten to know uh, decently well uh, during his time on the Braves coaching staff. He will be managing again. He has not managed since 2013, I believe, was his last year with the Texas Rangers. 14. 14, uh, which I believe he was fired during that season. He was, of course, the manager when the Rangers went to back-to-back World Series in 2010-2011. It's interesting because that that time was so 
so, so relevant, those Rangers teams during that time. We've reflected a little bit on them during September and, or during September and October and everything. But, you know, those were those eight years were that. I mean, those, that's his, his managerial experience but his, with one team. And now he will be managing the Angels. My first question for you, Jake, is why Ron Washington for the Angels? What, what's, your, what's your guess? There Besides, are, oh, he's old and the old guys have won. <laughs> so there, part of it is Perry Manassian, the GM of the Angels, used to work for the Braves. And so he has a relationship with Wash. That's mm-hmm. part of it. My, there are many amazing things about Ron Washington that I respect. What I learned from him about being around him a decent amount this year covering the Braves is the level of unshakable conviction and belief he has in his players and their development. Hmm. He is able to envision the end result of what a player can be and believes to his core that the player will get there. That is not the job of a general manager. You see what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. to be a GM, you have to see the bad side of a player. But Wash is elite at having conviction in the dudes on his roster. Like, making Austin Riley a capable defensive third baseman. When Wash saw him, he was like, I can make that guy a good third baseman. We are going to get there. Now let's go and we get there every day, day by day. Mm -hmm. And on the Angels, a team that is going to suck or be suck adjacent, having someone like Wash who can see the end result of some of these younger players, there's value in that. For sure. Yeah, it it is just an interesting contrast when you compare it to Bochy, you know, coming back and managing or Dusty coming back and managing where it was very clear for them, not that Bochy needed to win, but it was like, I ain't coming to do this to lose, right? Like, I'm I'm here because I think I can win. And I'm sure that Ron Washington, there's a part of Ron Washington that's like, I I can make these guys win, you know? And we can look at the roster because it's easy for us to say and say, why would we believe that the Angels are going to be good? Let alone what happens with Otani. Like, there's problems with this roster for sure. But it is interesting... I saw someone being like, yeah, you mentioned, oh, it's, it'll be good for the young players, Zach Neto, Nolan Shanuel, right? Um, Ohapi, stuff like that, Mickey Moniak, right? I saw someone was like, there was, oh, people think that he could help Anthony Rendon. I was like, well, that would be very impressive. <laughs> if Wash can mm. get to Anthony Rendon, that would be a, a pretty amazing outcome. And and in the way, in a version of getting Anthony Rendon back on track, now maybe we do have a shot at being a competent, you know, winning baseball team. Long way to go with the Angels. There's so many other problems here, as we've said with them. Same thing that we've kind of talked about with the White Sox. Like, ultimately, you can change a lot of things below ownership and below things at the top. Uh, it's going to be tough to trust them otherwise. But obviously, most of the baseball world is happy for Washington to, to have the opportunity to manage again. Absolutely. And according to Bob Nightingale, who yeah. is always trustworthy. Never wrong. Never wrong. Wash is planning to hire... A very black staff. Okay. Which is pretty, it's going to be a good good group, good crop. Tori Hunter. Oh. First base coach. Okay. Chili Davis, okay. hitting coach. Eric Young Sr., who freaking rules. That guy rules. Yes. Third base coach. And was with him in Atlanta, obviously. And then Clint Hurdle, his bench coach. <laughs> Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle, I saw. I saw some conflicting reports yesterday where Tori Hunter was like, that's not happening. But again, Bob. Sometimes wrong. Sometimes wrong. So <laughs> we will see. Because I saw that Tory Hunter had man it. He'd interviewed for the manager job and obviously did not get it. And so we'll see if he is amenable to be the first base coach. Either way, does sound like at the very least, you know, him bringing EY over 
is very cool and nice to see that they will uh they will stick together and and yeah it'll if anything it'll it'll um <laughs> by the way phil nevin apparently interviewing in san diego is that what they need who knows but good for ron washington and uh he will he will be uh back and, and now we also get to hear him talk more oh that's the other thing i mean you if you're a reporter maybe you get to talk to wash uh, off the side whatever during bp but generally that's that's something we've, we've he is out on. the best to talk to yeah so the best to talk to uh, all right, let's do it, Jake. Let's talk about the baseball teams. We have sort of been putting this off, but um, uh, over the last uh, week or so, we've kind of started to formulate how we're going to visualize this offseason and how we're going to organize it in our heads and how we prepare for it. And so the way that we're going to do this is basically rank the teams by how relevant we expect them to be, how much their actions are going to make us talk about them over the next few months that does not necessarily just mean rank them by how much projected war they're going to add over the course of the offseason it's just will they be doing things will they be in the news news newsworthiness from a a transaction standpoint of course free agency is a huge part of that but we know you know no one's really signed yet so we have a long way to go here many over 100 free agents will sign with new teams Many players will be traded, and these are the teams that we think we'll be talking about the most with regards to both of those uh, parts of the offseason. Like a mountain. Mm-hmm. Like a mountain? Let's begin at the bottom. All right. I guess, eh, that does make more sense. Sure. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's count. I like counting up here. Uh, 30 to 1. Jake, we have kind of grouped these teams into six groups of five. Um, we've sort of named them, but... Hopefully really. you guys can see how we, we sort of view these teams. So let's begin with our bottom five teams. 30, Oakland, 29, Colorado, 28, Kansas City, 27, Pittsburgh, and 26, the White Sox. Let's begin with Oakland. Yeah. Whatever, dude. I mean, they are... I assume there will still be more news and reports about where they're going and when they're going there and who's involved with that and all that mess. Unfortunate. They're going to have to play in Oakland next year. I... <laughs> Everyone knows they're moving to Vegas. It's going to be uncomfortable. They will sign a couple of veterans to one-year deals, right. like Gene Segura or <laughs> right. AJ Pollock. Yes, they 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 will have to fill out the roster. Randall Grichik, you know, but, like that's what. But otherwise, doing. they are still at the bottom. Still, a relevant news story from a transaction standpoint. They are at the bottom. Number twenty-nine, the Colorado Rockies. The Colorado Rockies could sign Shohei Otani, or they could spend the whole winter on the beach. Yeah. Who the hell knows with these guys? Remember, this is a team that already extended Charlie Blackman before the end of the year. Love that for Charlie Blackman. They are Why? the non-problematic North Korea of Major League Baseball. <laughs> they are in their own universe. Nobody knows what they're doing, why they're doing it. They're unpredictable. In that sense, they should maybe be higher. But as far as relevance and expectations for 2024, they are 29. Kansas City Royals, 28. Two main storylines for me. One, Bobby Witt extension. There was some reporting from Ken Rosenthal that it's maybe more possible than previously thought i'm a little skeptical if they've got the sauce to do it i mean that'd be awesome It'd that be would great. make me feel a lot better like i it would make people shut up about being like oh are we just gonna have to already trade him like god that's so depressing so yeah that'd be awesome but otherwise i i think when we thought this time last year royals tigers royals tigers who's in a better place i think we got the answer this year and that's why we're not talking about the tigers in this group so royals prove us wrong because other than cole reagan's and bobby witt I don't have a ton that I'm excited about. If you're not going to spend money on good players, bring Zach Granke back for another ride. The Pittsburgh Pirates yeah, at number 27. This is another one where I wish I was feeling more optimistic about the future and more optimistic that they were ready to be a little bit more aggressive improving the roster. I, ho- I hope so. 
I think that it was not as disastrous of a season as Kansas City, not as successful as a season as Detroit when you're talking about the rebuilding teams. So I would love to be wrong, but from a spending standpoint, we certainly know they're capped, and um, I don't really know what the trades that make sense for them are. Quote from GM Ben Sherrington. Quote, we've been mostly focused on starting pitching, both in free agency and trade. We would like to add to our position player group too. Oh, was, did he say that at the GM meetings? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was talking about. Uh, the last team in this group is the Chicago White Sox. Yay. So, <laughs> speaking Yoosh. of quotes, Oy. Chris Getz, who's now the new GM. Remember, they finally got rid of you know Rick Hahn and finally moving on. It's like, oh, okay, all right, maybe, you know, turn, turning things over. And Chris Getz, to his credit, even though he's been part of the White Sox, you know, regime to some degree over the last few years, Here's what he said uh, in Scottsdale. Quote, I don't like our team. Love it. We have to make Come some adjustments. Come on out, fans. <laughs> Buy some tickets. <laughs> we have to make some adjustments to improve in 2024. When I say I don't like our team, we've got pieces that are talented and attractive that can be part of a winning club. But obviously, we haven't gone out there and performed. It's not a well-rounded club right now. We have to find players to come in here and help us get in the right direction. I mean, so true, bestie. I totally agree. Dude, what is more <laughs> relatable than a GM saying, I hate this place? He also, like, yeah. He we also, suck. He also had a quote that was like, no untouchables. That's interesting. Hmm. Mostly from a Dylan C standpoint. Huh. I think Dylan C, I think that is, there are some very interesting, there's a lot of free agent pitchers. I think there's also pitchers I'm excited for from a trade standpoint. You know what's weird? Mm-hmm. Calling a player a touchable. Right. <laughs> Damn, that's a good point. It's like this guy is but, untouchable but is, in trade. No, but that's well, what you saying. can touch this guy. Well, that's right, but that's why you say there's touch no. Un, that's why you say there's no untouchables as opposed to we have some touchables. We have the some Brewers, touchable players. The Brewers, Brewers. we'll get to. They're like touchable. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna Let's, get to them in a second. Uh, the point is, is that the White Sox, like they're they that is a very bad roster right now, yeah. and so they could make some more interesting trades. Free agency wise, they're looking for bounce back candidates that they can trade next summer, and they're not gonna bump up payroll like the no, payroll's going down very sure. much definitely not next group of teams i'm just gonna start number 26 25 25 good counting jake high five <laughs> cleveland guardians they hired a new manager steven vote mm-hmm. last year they spent money on josh bell like the biggest free agent contract in guardians history <laughs> so... and then they traded him three months in yeah yeah so they need people that can hit the ball out of the infield I don't know how they're going to acquire those people. Are they going to trade Shane Bieber? Are they going to trade some of the other pitching? I don't know. They've just been so frustrating. They're just so Im- frustrating. If there's one thing we know about this organization, they are very difficult to trade with. Yeah. They have that reputation. They've all, I mean, okay, you say that, right? And then who have they traded away? They've traded away Nolan Jones. They traded away Yiner Diaz. They traded away Yandy Diaz. They've traded like they've traded away a lot of good players, and so now that's probably making them even harder to trade with. So anyway, Cleveland, prove us wrong. You don't don't spend money. They had a really ugly, disappointing season. They need offense in some way. I don't know how they're going to get it, but At they're here. Twenty four, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Hmm. We just okay. talked about them. Sure. Here's here's how their their off is going to go. Yeah. I can tell you. Ready? Uh, sh- they're going to pretend that they're going to bring Shohei Otani back. They're not. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to pretend to be disappointed. And then they're going to add some buy low <laughs> candidates and pretend to win. 
I mean, I would be dis. I mean, it'll be genuine. This, I would be disappointed too if Shohei Otani left my team. No, I agree with you. I mean, I don't see them, you know, signing any big deals. But who knows? Who knows with Artie? I have no idea. But there, and it's it's bleak. It's bleak. So that's why the the Ron Washington hire. Hopefully, at least you're going to keep falling back on that and be like, hey, at least that happened. That's cool. Uh, next up, the Washington Nationals. Oh, interesting. Some people might think, oh no, they belong in that bottom group. We think that they might be pushing at least a little bit more uh, towards the direction of trying to be competent. Very difficult in the NL East. Very conflicting kind of signals regarding spending power and spending willingness, especially with the ownership situation where it seemed like they were about to sell. Now it seems like they're definitely not going to sell. A lot of strange things going on at the, at the upper levels. We know, you know Rizzo and Davey ultimately end up staying. They had some good things happen with the young groups there, but there's still a lot of holes on this roster, a long way to go to be competitive. Do they want to be aggressive and bring in some players to actually help them win in a real way that's more than just Jamer Candelario as a trade chip? We're going to find out. But I, I, I think the Nats are, are, uh, are an interesting spot to watch this offseason. Reese Hoskins. Especially, like again, with the Boris stuff, it's a great place where Boris might just end up being like, hey, guys, can you take some of like. This is, sounds nuts, like Matt Chapman, okay? If the Nationals decide, like, that's their base has been just a catastrophe for the Nationals basically since Ryan Zimmerman's been gone. Uh, or I guess since Rendon's been gone. Like, that's been, if they were just like, hey, Matt Chapman, you're our franchise third baseman. Bring great. us, improve our defense, like, give us some some a level of competency. Like, great, that's, that's something. Jason Worth with a buzz cut. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next team. Yes. The Miami mm. Marlins, who embarrassed themselves by embarrassing... Kim Ang, who said, thanks, but no thanks, yeah. you buffoons. The Marlins went out and hired Peter Bendix as their czar of baseball doings. Mm-hmm. We That happened like last week. We have no idea how Peter Bendix is going to run this organization, what type of changes he's going to make, how payroll is different. This team is coming off a playoff berth. There are a lot, still a ton of question marks on this roster. Very intrigued to see what they, they will do. If there's anything we know about Peter Bendix from him being with the Rays, it's that don't expect a lot of money. It feels like he was brought in to raise this place, and therefore we don't think they're going to be at the top of the free agent market. No, but I think that because of the way that the roster is constructed, there is a lot of opportunity for trade uh, with them, um, and they've made trades with the Rays and Peter Bendix in the past. So I'm I'm interested to see how what he sees as the best possible move uh, kind of steps forward to improve the offense. We know they were kind of surprised to retain Josh Bell. That was good for him to opt in, but they will likely be losing Jorge Soler. So there's definitely going to be some offense for them to replace. How they do that is going to be very interesting. We move to our next team in this group, which is the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, a team, of course, that I have become quite familiar with over the last year and a half. And we started with the conversation about Joey Votto and how Joey Votto will seemingly not be playing in the Reds anymore. But even if Joey Votto's out of the picture, it is still a very crowded position player group, a group that reportedly is already being asked about in trades, most notably Jonathan India. Now, some people look at Jonathan India and say, if you just look at his baseball reference page, you'd be like, why Who? Why do you want this guy so badly? Like, he's not been that good of a hitter. He's been injury prone. Like, he's not a great defender. I understand all that. I also think I understand why a lot of people teams want Jonathan India <laughs> because there is a version of Jonathan India that is a very good player and that is a, a fantastic guy to have. So is he the one? Is he the odd man out? I would be kind of surprised, but I think that is another team who clearly is going to need to improve. 
uh, the pitching and are they going to be able to spend on it? We know they are as thrifty as it gets, so I don't have a great confidence in that, but it does feel like there's a trade to make there and we've seen them be, be willing to do that. So some tough decisions for Nick Kroll. He he proved a lot this year. I think the Reds are heading in, in, a, in a pretty good direction, but still so much to prove uh, from an ownership and from a spending standpoint that we just won't know until the end of the offseason. That's the bottom 10. Let's keep on rolling forward. The Minnesota Twins, who won the American League Central, unfortunately... Mm-hmm. Their GM Derek Falvey, or I guess sorry, president. He's a pobo. Pobo, pobo Derek Falvey mm-hmm. told reporters, "Quote: We pushed our payroll to heights that we had never pushed it before, with the support of ownership. We know there is some natural ebb and flow to that. Will it be where it was last year? I don't expect that. I expect it mm. less than that, which is a long way to say Ugh. less money. Yeah, which like sucks because like obviously." I mean, I mean, he ain't wrong. They sure pushed it higher than I think a lot of people, a lot of us expected. So, like, while it's easy for us to sit here and say that every owner should be spending uh, $200 million all the time, like, I, he is right. This is the ebbs and flows of this. It's disappointing considering the momentum that they seemingly went into the offseason with, even with the postseason exit, but finally, you know, breaking that drought of, of playoff victories. They win at home. They have it's, – it's all is well. Like, you're feeling good. You want to go in to next season feeling like, yes, let's keep kicking the AL Central's ass. Like, that's how they should be feeling. This kind of messaging does not exactly – inspire that level of confidence however it's still a good roster and you know the biggest questions of course are going to be how are we replacing Sonny Gray how are we kind of making this offense a little bit more balanced that was weirdly the real question who's going to be healthy you have no idea and so that they I still expect them to be active but from a spending standpoint clearly it doesn't seem like it's going to be in the free agency thing they're another team I mean trades are definitely going to happen the Arizona Diamondbacks who inexplicably were in you're not going to believe this make sure you're sitting down they were in the World Series that's kind of what do you mean, kind of? The last three games, were they? What are you talking about? Come they on. Oh, my really there? God. The disrespect. This is ridiculous. All right, listen. We already have them this low on here coming off uh, an NL pennant. Um, but at the same time, just because you win the National League doesn't mean you get, I mean, you get some playoff bonuses and some, some money from, you know, playoff uh, tickets and everything. That's nice. You know, I'm not suddenly expecting them to be top 10 in payroll. And their TV deal is one of the ones with mm. Bally that, Oops. fell apart and so i think that might be a bit of an issue they're losing lourdes Goriel jr and tommy fam evan longoria is out the door fun report that they're just going to replace him with justin turner yeah third base which i mean justin turner is a way better hitter than evan longoria so like that would be a definitive upgrade i think the bigger question is what, what i was most interested in is mike hazen being very honest, being like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't trade for enough pitching. Like, obviously, they were decently aggressive at the deadline. He's like, yeah, I, he literally said, like, I should have traded for Jordan Montgomery, which is pretty wild. Uh, maybe they go sign Jordan Montgomery. I would be pretty surprised. But at the same time, like, if they, there is, that is really where they could kind of bulk up uh, yeah. their roster. I just don't see them spending a lot of dough. I think if they add to one of their groups, it'll be on the offensive side. Yeah, that they just that lineup lacked punch at times in October, even though they made that run. Mm-hmm. The pitching there isn't, even though, like, yes, game four was a bullpen game. It was bad. They have enough young arms in that system that I don't anticipate them. They'll add, like, a low-end. Michael Walker. Michael Walker, maybe, like, up to Giolito, but I don't think they'll be in the Snell. Ooh, Giolito. Like Nola market. No, I agree with that, for sure. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays, another team that, again, uh, they did actually spend some in free agency last year, and it worked out. Would they continue with that? Or is this going to be an offseason where we're talking about them trading Tyler Glass now? Again, 
no matter what the Rays do, we're still going to assume they're going to win 90 games next year. But they, that roster, every offseason, has so many different directions they could go. This offseason is, is no different. The trades that they can make range from all kinds of extreme stuff leading up to, of course, a, a potential glass now deal. So they're, they're always in the news. But uh, if, if they want to also maybe spend the way that they did last offseason with, with, with Eflin, maybe, if, like, again, it worked, right? Like, if they identify, like, if they give Seth Lugo three years, I'm like, oh, shit watch out <laughs> like Seth Lugo they know exactly what they want in that guy and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after one of those pitchers next up the Toronto Blue Jays who dropped mm. the chili in October yeah fumbled their way out of the postseason and they have a lot to replace on the yeah. offensive side yeah so obviously Chapman gone and Kiermaier gone is a, is a pretty big deal um I just I don't know like this is a team that presumably doesn't have to worry about the very crowded pitching market they're one of the few teams that has a pretty solid rotation in place very few teams can say that four starters that they can depend on and Alec Manoa (laughs) and Alec Manoa but still it's Alec Manoa is still the fifth guy you're talking about it's not like they they have it all lifted on there whereas a lot of teams so many other teams are going to be going after this extreme depth of pitching at the top of the market middle of the market everything there's not a lot of bats out there for them to try and replace Chapman with if it isn't going to be Chapman and so now we're again talking about does the trade make sense? Did, are we just going to go all out for Cody Bellinger? You know, like Heimer, Candelario, Candelario right. makes sense, right? Like there's there's a few of them, but there's fewer options. Whereas all the teams looking for pitching, they have a lot more to choose from. So pressure's on Toronto. I know the fans did, were not in a good in a good place <laughs> when their season ended and the way that their uh, front office talk, kind of talked about after after the fact. They the North, yes, uh, the Houston Astros. Houston Astros, Jake Mintz, they at least have a GM this time. This time last year, they didn't have a GM. They gave Rafael Montero a hilarious amount of money. They signed Jose Abreu. And now they don't have a manager. And now they don't have a manager, so they have to find a manager. But I guess for the – well, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, I know, like, you know, the Giants talked about, oh, we have to have a manager that's going to help us – like, no. Ultimately, when you're the Astros and your roster is this good, like, players will probably want to come play for them. Uh, But that's – so you don't really need the manager for that as as important – but they at least Danny Brown's there, and at least he's going to be able to kind of guide this roster in a certain direction. Biggest storylines with them is really more guys that are on the, on the already on their team. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve contracts up after next season. Are they able to extend either of those guys? Martin Maldonado, a free agent. He is a free agent, and I think it, I think they actually already said like they're they're moving on. Like I, they they said like Yanner Diaz is the guy now. Yanner Diaz is the starter, but they could bring Martin <laughs> back as the backup. That's too risky because then Maldonado's going to end up uh, the starter again. I guess maybe not with Dusty uh, gone now. That is the bottom half. Let's start with the top half after we take a quick break. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, together in person. Oh, baby. You're just as beautiful as I remember, buddy. Thanks, bud. Appreciate that. Give Uh, me a smile. Everyone, can you hear that smile? It was you a hear grunt. that nice in the nice microphone. I I, I I I moved I moved my chair, and that's what resulted. What in, but I'm, I'm smiling, guys. I'm what an arduous smile! <laughs> I gotta <laughs> smile. Jake told me to. Okay. Detroit Tigers, the 15th team on our list here. Buying stock. I would argue they could be higher on here. I think they're you know the 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 fact that they jumped ahead on the market and traded for Canna. I know that doesn't seem like the biggest deal in the world, but that signals like we're trying to add good baseball players. What do they end up bringing Erod back? Do they end up spending that money on a different pitcher? Like, 
they're in a pretty decent spot. Like I, I was surprised by how good their pitching was at the end of last season. Tarek Skubal looked great. Um, they had some of their other younger guys look great. Casey Mize is hopefully you know really going to be back soon. So there's there's an opportunity here. AL Central, it's, it's right there. Go for it, Tigers. Like I would love to see some aggression here. Payroll right now is at an estimated seventy nine million. Oh come on, let's let's listen. I I know it's not quite the days of the the, the full you know Illich experience, but you could double that. I let's 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 get let's get wacky here. I would love to see the Tigers making making some noise this winter. They have three players with guaranteed salaries, mm-hmm. not arbitration. Do you know who they are? Uh, no. Javi Baez, who opted into the (laughs) last four years of his deal, which is not good. No, Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna and Carson Kelly. Oh, they picked up his option as a backup catcher. That's it. They don't have a lot of dough committed. No, 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 no. Yeah. Also, there was a great quote uh, from Scott Harris that was like, yeah, so we actually have the DH now is kind of like an open spot for us now. It's like, oh, right, because you like have been needing to play Miguel Cabrera for the last three seasons. And so I think that was part of the can acquisition. Like, there is more flexibility now with Miguel Cabrera not on the roster, all due respect. Tigers are interesting. Literally, I think they can end up in the top ten of relevance teams this, this winter. Literally more flexibility. In every sense. They're all Their their whole <laughs> roster can now touch their toes, respectfully. <laughs> um, number 14, Seattle Mariners. Uh, we have the Mariners and Orioles back-to-back here. Uh, listen, pressure's on. Jerry said a bunch of dumb stuff uh, when the offseason began. It doesn't really matter the things that he said. This is true for most teams. Same with we said about Brian Cashman. What are they going to do about it? They cannot have it. They know they got embarrassed last winter being like, this is the, this is it. This is what we need to do to build around our core and then go win a division. Obviously, it didn't happen. They missed the playoffs. They look like a bunch of dummies. They know the pressure's on. I hope that they are aggressive. Um, but also, it is a two-way street free agents don't usually want to come to Seattle. So now they have made it seem like they have not actually been trying that hard to sign free agents, which makes it harder to give them benefit of the doubt. But also, you know, there it is uh, a decision that the players will also have to make. So we will see what happens there. They are going to have to add offense one way or another. And they are also a team like Toronto who has a lot of pitching. And if they choose to trade from that, we could see some very interesting trades, especially if those trades are with your Baltimore Orioles who have a billion infinite hitting prospects. They can't all play at the major league level, though many of them are ready to. Is this the time when Michael Elias finally decides, hey, all right, fine, I will trade, you know, Heston Kerstad for Dylan Cease. Okay, I will trade, you know, Jordan Westberg for whatever. Uh, or they could say, I don't know what the, if you want to pull up the Orioles payroll, <laughs> or the Orioles could actually spend some money. And even if that's not Aaron Nola or Blake Snell, there's all kinds of other good pitchers that would make them a better baseball team that they could very real, realistically sign. The Orioles have an estimated $74 million committed. Yeah. They do have a pretty hefty arbitration class. Okay, I think sure. it's like yeah. 17 players. Right. So that's that, which is all right. So that's, that's a lot of work. That's not that much money. <laughs> I mean, it's it is it is a good amount. It is a lot to deal with if you're if you're in the you know the inner workings of the Orioles front office and all the agents involved with that. That is a complicated process. Whatever. At the same time, your payroll is still well under a hundred million dollars. And uh, if you're not going to spend it now, coming off a hundred win season when you couldn't win a playoff game because your pitching wasn't very good, this, I don't know what more you need to see. Here's a take: you should be spending more millions than wins, always. Hmm. Okay, so if you have right, if you're a 62 win team, 62 win, you're fine with your 62 million dollar payroll. <laughs> got to be higher. Got to be at least 67. <laughs> okay. okay, interesting. Definitely falls apart at some point. That really makes the Padres look and Mets very questionable ratio there. Uh, speaking of Padres, 
Padres are next. I, because we know they've already declined all these options, it seems like the strategy now is, can we get rid of enough money and not trade Juan Soto? Uh, that seems to be the game plan. <laughs> but also, who's going to pitch? That's the bigger question. Who's going to manage? Who's going to manage is also a big question. So it seems like there's a lot of questions with the Padres. What a, what a concept. But at the very least, while the Padres have done a pretty good job at winning the offseason many times in the past, I do not see any scenario in which they can win this offseason, truly. Like, I prove me wrong, AJ Preller. Um, I don't know. Like, I they're not. They're not going to – I don't think – maybe they change their mind. They say, yeah, sure, let's do it again. Let's sign another guy to $100 million. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a good thing. That Maybe that is a good Focus thing. Focus on winning the season. <laughs> it's maybe, maybe that's the exact thing that needs to happen. The Atlanta Braves. They win the season all the time. Um, kind of. Regular season anyway. They are our next team. They have a very complete roster, obviously, certainly on the offensive side of things. They don't have a left fielder. So that is one where maybe they have Von Grissom do it, but otherwise it seems like that's the one spot there. Pitching, it seems like they have a lot of depth, but also still a lot of questions. They brought back Charlie Morton, but he's not exactly a sure thing. Uh, and they've certainly had some injuries uh, that they're still going to have to deal with. So listen, it's not like the Braves are going to do nothing. We just won't know about it until their press release comes out. Michael Brantley? Uh, they could probably do better than that, but... Can they? It's a soft market. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like, why don't why don't they sign Guriel? I don't know. That's uh, I I feel like they've said their payroll is going up. They have room there. Like, I feel like they could get a a pretty good player. That's it's a good example of like they are not going to need Guriel more than desperately more than a lot of other teams, but they might just do it anyway because that's how the Braves operate. You know who could be a good fit there? Mm-hmm. Adam Duvall. Yeah, I've seen that fifty times. I, I've forgot how many. T- yeah, Jason Hayward. Yeah, I actually thought about that. Why not, man? Like that's perfect. I don't say absolutely. He's. I think Jason Hayward's going to do decently well this winter. I think he. I think he finally Jason Hayward earns some money. Yeah, but it's a very different than the last time he he got the big contract. Uh, all right, top ten. Here we go. New York Mets. The question with the Mets is: Can Steve Cohen cosplay frugality for three months? Yes. He has said that he's not going to spend. Do you believe that? Um, I don't believe that. Uh, let me pull up the, uh, I just want to pull up the Scott Boris quote about the Mets, which I thought was very funny and kind of confusing, but also I understood what he was trying to get at. This is what, uh, Scott Boris said about the New York Mets. Uh, uh where is this? I have oh, it right in front of me. I oh, you do it. have it. Yeah. Okay. When you have the bigger jet <laughs> and you say you're going slower, you're still going faster. That's what I would say about the Mets. Everyone's like, oh. So the point is, they still have a big jet because they're really rich. <laughs> uh, but either way, um, I don't know what that actually means. I actually, but I actually, I, you know what? You're, you're right, Scott Boris. That's exactly right. That tells me exactly what the Mets are going to do. I have no idea. I, I think, he, here's my prediction. I think they extend Pete and add some pieces i don't think david stearns is gonna break open the pocketbook i think we'll it's get- yamamoto yamamoto is the only guy i think they would sign because he's younger yeah and i think it's more likely to happen than otani so we're gonna go. get an otani steve cohen meeting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna get a picture of that oh i wouldn't count on that 
I don't think Otani's meeting with anybody. There's my crazy hot take. Whoa. Um, <laughs> picture with Steve. You think, where are they going to do that? Where are they going to meet? in pub? Are they going to do it like purposefully? Like, does Steve Cohen want to be seen with him? Just like, yeah, like a photo. Show, hey, oh, hey, how about we just meet like in, you know, in front of the Times Square Toys R Us? No one will notice. <laughs> no free ads. All right. Next up, the Boston Red Sox, who have a new chief baseball operator. Uh Member of the tribe, Craig Breslow. Damn. So we're, yeah, this is a pretty aggressive ranking for them because. I think they're going to spend some money. I think that the Red Sox are under pressure to go for it and to put a little bit more coin Mm -hmm. into the pot. But again, same kind of thing with with Bloom. Like, but then we saw saw them spend last offseason, right? We saw them go after Yoshida last offseason. The Devers extension. The Devers extension. That's true. That's true. And, And it also does seem like, again, similar to the Yankees, they are embarrassed. They finished in last place. Below the right? Yankees. They were below the Yankees, and the Yankees were an embarrassment. So think about Red Sox-Yankees, fourth and fifth in the division. Yes. How the times have changed. It's, I mean, literally, it's never happened. I actually am pretty sure that has never happened before. Next up, the Milwaukee Brewers. Seems high Ooh. for a team. Well, they have the keys, baby. Yeah. This is a team, this is probably the biggest news or reports coming out this week, and especially because it comes from Rosenthal. A lot of reports. There's going to be all kinds of random stuff that comes out on Twitter, like, Listen, if Ken is writing it, if Jeff Passan's writing it, pay attention. Not that other reporters can't be right, but when it's specific rumors about the direction of something that's going to happen, not necessarily connecting teams and players for free agency, whatever, but if it's about something, a direction that a team is going, they are very rarely wrong on that. They don't toss shit at the wall. Yeah. And so when Ken Rosenthal reports that the Brewers are basically open to moving anybody, now we have to pay attention. Touchables. They're mucho touchables. And because of that... Uh, Corbin Burns, of course, first and foremost. Brandon Woodruff, also free agent after next year, but also will not be pitching next year after having shoulder surgery. He's part of that equation to some degree because he's still going to be making a bunch of money while he's rehabbing his shoulder. Do you want to trade for a, a good dude a who good... can't play? <laughs> yeah, and then if you could extend him, you could, I don't know, uh, there's versions of that. Um, Willie Adamas, uh, they, like they have other, or they already obviously got rid of Canna. So this is a team that, I, not that they're going into full rebuild mode, but they it seems like they trust their young group that is arriving at the big league level you know Sal Freilich Jackson Churio next year that says all right 2024 might not be great but we're not going to suck forever let's clear some money and 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 figure it out and like Christian Yelich I don't know where he factors into this Brewers fans just spend the year spray painting ass under various (laughs) signs any sign that says council on it make sure that happens the city council sign just write ass on it next up the Philadelphia Phillies what have we learned about them already GM Dave Dombrowski, or sorry, Pobo Dave Dombrowski. Sorry, Sam Fold. Sorry, Sam Fold. He basically said they're moving on from Reese Hoskins. Bryce Harper is going to be the everyday first baseman next year. When that becomes official, when Reese signs with the the Pirates or something, we'll talk about it then. That's the first part. Second part is we got a report that they're looking to trade away Nick Castellanos, mm. which I have heard as well. Yeah. Good luck with that, though. Don't think it's going to happen, but I do think they're going to try. <laughs> then the last thing with the Phillies is Aaron Noll is a free agent. Do they try to replace him? Do they re-sign him? They will need another arm in the rotation. Yes, they will. Texas Rangers, your World Series champions, not in our top five for the offseason. Not my World Series champions. Not, yeah, you think it was, you watched it. I don't know what more you needed to see. They definitely won. And they've also been extremely relevant the last two offseasons, which could be a reason to say that the team coming off the World Series should be even higher on this list. But I would say it's the opposite because they're probably like, damn, our team's pretty freaking good. Job finished. And honestly, yeah, job finished. Sorry, Evan Carter. If Ray Davis, like, 
I am I am really curious about this dynamic for the Rangers because it's very easy for the last three years for Ray Davis to be like, oh, what's another this? Well, we've never won a World Series. Oh, another $100 million? Well, we've never won a World Series. He's just, he's human. At this point, is he going to be that motivated to win another one? I think yes, of course, Chris, yeah, to some degree. You can't tell me that it's the same thing. You can't tell me it's the same level of urgency. They've proven a lot. That offense is going to be amazing no matter what happens, even losing Mitch Garver potentially. Like, that is going to be one of the best lineups in baseball again, where they fill out the pitching with a lot of injury question marks still. Jordan Montgomery gone, Scherzer, who knows? DeGrom obviously still out. I would expect them to be active with the pitchers again. Top five, top five, top five. Let's do it. Top five. Dylon, no. Uh, (laughs) The Chicago Cubs. Do they follow yeah. up the Craig Council move with other stuff? Yeah. So, again, it's like, was that a sign? If they're going to spend $40 million on a manager, will they spend more on whatever? Oh, they're going to be the most aggressive on Otani. Doesn't mean anything to me. The teams that are most aggressive, like, I again, reports about teams being aggressive on Otani does not tell me anything. Of course. I The teams want to sign Otani. So, Being aggressive great. on Otani <laughs> is like, oh, you're doing a lot of swiping on Hinge. Yeah. That, I hope so. If you're on there, isn't that the point? Like, you yeah. Bet- <laughs> like, you're doing two swipes a day? Yeah. For what? If, if you might as well. Listen, Otani, like, yes, good. I hope the teams that have money want to have Shohei Otani on their team. But That's also, great. it doesn't tell me anything. doesn't tell me if anything. If you're on Hinge swiping away, right. are are those translating into, into first dates, Jordan? No. I, I certainly can't answer that question. That's very <laughs> true. <laughs> the, so, but still, uh, there's still a lot of reason to expect them to be I think aggressive. You know, they, they, they bring back Hendricks. Would they have done that if Stroman doesn't opt out? That's a good question. Either way, definitely parts. I mean, listen, that's a team that should be motivated. We talked about the Rangers who won the World Series. Maybe they're less motivated. Cubs did not win the World Series. Didn't come close. No. So they are going to be motivated to to kind of make some, make some moves there. And I think that's very related to our number four team, which is the St. Louis Cardinals, another team in the NL Central who just had a horribly disappointing season, way worse than anything we've really ever seen from them. In our lifetime, they decided to trade, uh, you know, trade pieces away at the deadline. They they kind of stocked their upper levels of their farm system, but no one thinks is looking at the Cardinals and thinking this is a multi-year rebuild. They have to get at least two pitchers to fill out their rotation. Is it three? Are they signing them? Are they going crazy in free agency? Last year it was just Wilson Contreras and nothing else. Are they going to be more aggressive? Are they going to also trade some of their young hitters for pitching? So many directions, but they have been very clear the whole time. They have publicly said, we, them saying we need pitching means a lot more than any other team saying we need pitching. And so I'm taking them very seriously, and that's why they're in the top five. Their estimated payroll is lower right now than where the payroll was last year. And yeah. so you would expect them to spend back to that amount, which is like 180, and or then, go over it. Here's the other thing. Even though they suck this year, People were still at the games. Tickets were paid for. The Cardinals, they are raking it in. They butts have absolutely – the butts seats. were still in seats. So that is not uh, going to change, and that enables them to do some some interesting stuff. The New York Yankees, we talked about this on last episode. We don't have to spend too much time here. They just got to figure it out. I mean, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> no – they have to do something. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what version of this offseason is going to make us feel t- – but, man, I mean, we were we were feeling good. We were feeling good about them uh, last off season, and it so so bad, so so bad. So I don't know what it looks like. Uh, there are a few options for them. There's a few very obvious options like Bellinger. I would say 
And so if they can get that to happen, if they can get Yamamoto, whatever, I, to me, it, that, they're just in the toughest spot because the offense is the bigger concern, and um, there's just not that many options. So if they get backed into the giant Bellinger contract, that would really be something. I mean, I think it would make them better. I think Bellinger would hit a lot more home runs there, probably. Uh, but uh, still, still, still shaky. It is a it is a nervous time for the New York Yankees. Fine with me though. Pretty funny to watch. Very funny to watch. Number two, the San Francisco Giants, the favorite team of producer Chris. Mm. Estimated payroll is currently fifty million dollars hairs lower than where they ended last year. Last winter, they tried to get Aaron Judge. How'd that go, Chris? <sighs> Not so good. No. They tried to get Carlos Correa. How'd that go, Chris? Not so good. They did get him to San Francisco <laughs> he for one night. He was ready to be introduced. He was in town. He wouldn't have made them that much better this year. No. Nope. Aaron Judge probably would have got them in the playoffs. Point is, we they, did get Austin Judge, though. You did get him. That, that was did get a, that, which was honestly a better acquisition. That was fire. Um, also, producer Chris is here, too. Hey, hey, Chris. Great to see you. <laughs> What's up, guys? Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, again, it's like we know they're going to be aggressive, but long way to go. This is not a roster I'm like, damn, they, they got this figured out. Okay, great. You have Bob Melvin here. Is he helping you recruit people? Probably to some degree. At the same time, uh, they are more than one big free agent signing away from really challenging the top of the division. But they got to do it. They're under pressure. They're, they sure are. Uh, Pobo Farhan <laughs> Zaidi is feeling the heat a yeah, little bit. Yeah, they are. Now, if they can have an amazing offseason, will they in, be in position to challenge our number one team, the Los Angeles Dodgers? Why are the Dodgers one? Very simple. They are the Otani domino. Here, Here's my one question. I think, like, if they don't sign him, yeah, I, the, it, Will it be viewed as like a disaster? Like the degree yes. to which people, yes. which which to me is absurd because we just still don't actually know. But like people have been putting him on the Dodgers for so long that I think I agree. But I, I don't, I, it's going to be so interesting. Now, obviously there's varying degrees of disaster because if he signs, it's a big difference between him signing with the Giants and signing with the Yankees or signing with the Mets or signing with whatever, right? The Reds. As, as the Reds, of course. Um, that's going to be a different, that will look different related to the Dodgers as it will. One of two things will happen to the Dodgers this Mm offseason. They will either sign the best baseball player we have ever seen Mm -hmm. for the most money any team has ever given an athlete. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, they don't do that, and they are criticized into oblivion by their fan base because everything the Dodgers have done over the last two years has pointed to them banking on Otani's <laughs> arrival. Yeah, those are the two options. That's it. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that's why it's uh, that's why it's fun. Now I will say, if they don't sign him, they will have a large amount of money that they will probably try and spend in other ways. What that looks like, I don't know. But if they can get him, uh, Mookie, Freddie, Shohei, not bad. Not, not a bad, a bad group. Situation. Not a bad situation. Not, not a bad, a bad situation. Group. Now again, embarrassed by the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. And who they among had, us has not? <laughs> if they had, if they had Shohei Otani this past uh, year as the DH, they it seems like they probably would have still lost that series. <laughs> but you know, that doesn't mean they shouldn't want him. So I agree. I just it, it's measuring that the degree to which we are all putting it on them is is fascinating, and that is the one that we have to. Uh, kind of finish with because it is about that it is about Dodgers and Otani and the the degree to which we assume that is going to happen that's our show next week we will get a little bit more player focused with some of the free agent discussions we will do a mail 
bag. And I'm sure we'll talk about a couple more new managers. Yes, I would assume so. We'll get the Padres definitely uh, coming up soon. Maybe Jordan, Astros. Yeah. Where can AJ Preller email us? AJ Preller, he has nothing else going on. So AJ, email us, baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Thank you to Chris Tyler. And Isabel is also here. Isabel, for producing this podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, and to be here in the SiriusXM studios, we're going to go enjoy some Dominican Winter League baseball in New York City. We'll report back on that on Monday for sure. But until then, everyone have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you all very soon. SiriusXM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.